Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your Kyle United fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. There's only one team in Cumbria and that's the Mighty Blues. Mighty Victorious. In fairness, as victory over Barrow ends Cooper's reign, we look back on the Cumbrian derby success while looking ahead to the clash for the form teams against Bristol Rovers and a midweek trip to Rochdale. Oh, that, that just, just got a, a bit too big for my boots there. I didn't know that long intro you, there. You, you got very aggressive at the Rochdale there, didn't oh, you? Oh, just because I, I knew I was running out of time. I was just so annoying. <laughs> but I actually, I thought you had loads of time and you just went, Rochdale! <laughs> uh, the thing is, you're ever so slightly behind me on the thing. That's the way the recordings yeah. work online, unfortunately. So, uh, a bit frustrating there. But hey, tell you what wasn't frustrating. This weekend's win over Barrow, was it, Dan? Glorious day out on the air. Should have been five. On the Furness Peninsula. Yeah. Lovely, lovely. That's that's one description of it. I I could think of many less salubrious words. Yeah, there were some nice bits to it. Train journey down. Yeah, the train journey journey home, yeah. (laughs) That one as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There you go. We've got a lot to pack in this week, so let's get straight into it, shall we? We've got a little bit of news to do, haven't we? We're going to cover the uh, midweek fixture. Cumberland Cup, um, so yeah, it was a Cumberland Cup action in midweek at Guildford Park as United took on City in the second derby for the Blues in the space of a few days, but unfortunately, the result in the Border City derby wasn't quite as positive as the weekend fixture, was it, Dan? Mark Birch's side no. fell to a 2-1 defeat despite putting a strong lineup out. I mean, first teamers, Magnus Norman, Lewis Bell, Mitchell Roberts, Lewis Alessandra, Josh Dixon, Owen Windsor, Gimme Touré. Sam Fishburne, more on him in a minute. And uh, Tyrese Matoya all started, but they're unable to get a victory with the Sky Blues securing a place in the final next month at French Fields against Weatherings United. Uh, you were going to go to this originally, weren't you, Dan? But unfortunately, you couldn't because of work. Yeah, no, I had, I had work, work, so I couldn't make it. But, uh, but yeah, we good, good crowd of over 500, seemingly. Yeah, it was really, really good to see for, for uh, Carl City. Um, Few people we know went to the game. They've given us sort of a bit of an idea of what happened, haven't they? Um, obviously, the Blues took the lead in the first half as Omatoya finished smartly after Toure drove forward from a quick free kick in United's own half to set him up. But the second half, United just took the foot off the gap pedal, and um, yeah, the hosts got back into the game through Jordan Holt first scoring, and then they took the lead when United's Charlie Watt, who had only been on the pitch for nine minutes, picked up his second booking to concede a penalty that was converted by Jordan Irving. Um, proves to be the winning goal as United huffed and puffed, but failed to find their way back into the game. Not a great result for the uh, first team who's playing in this game, is it? I mean, th- these results can happen, can't they? They, they do occasionally. But as the first team... Yeah, it's, it's it's not the first time we've been beaten in the Cumberland Cup, and it won't yeah. be the last. But no. given, given the level of player on the pitch, disappointing. it tells you quite a lot about some of the lone players and the backup players, you know, I mean Paul Simpson was there watching I don't think he'll have been overly impressed and I mean, I'm, I'm looking... there's, there's not many of those names you would expect to make a difference really at the moment I mean, I'm looking at one example I mean, just, this is not me picking on him but Josh Dixon should be looking and thinking Callum Guy out potentially for a little bit 
chance for me to yeah. impression show. I deserve a place in midfield. From speaking to some people who are there, said he just didn't didn't really do it. Unfortunately, and yeah. he's not the only one though. You know that that's that, that, that's a fair point we've got to make there. Um, but yeah, like you said, when you look at it, it's not great. I think City had pretty much their strongest team out, didn't they? I think for this game. Looking yeah, at yeah, it. yeah. Pl- plenty of ex blues in there. I'm looking at it. Um, yeah, lots. Kieran Olsen, um, Dan Kirkup, Jordan Holt, Kieran Kerr. Um, I don't know if there's any others. There's a couple of others. Yeah, there's a couple of others have been involved. Yeah, very, very uh, young age. I think quite a few of them haven't. Yeah. They? But um, I think uh, Simpson, who plays from Josh Simpson, might be Paul's nephew. Possibly, I think. I seem to remember. Mm. But yeah, so not not a great result for them. Not really much of a, an impression given to to Simo for that. Um, should we talk about the aftermath of after the game? Yeah, the, the 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 biggest story came afterwards, didn't it? It uh, appeared as though some of the younger Carlisle players mm-hmm. were messing about on Snapchat before the game. Uh, you said Snapchat saying, like such a grander bet, even though I know you use Snapchat. So it's weird, <laughs> yeah. What is it? Well, yeah, no, but this, this is typical use of uh, Snappy, as they call it, by the youngins, you know. And I think it was uh, a Snapchat with, was it Car Ballardo and Fishburne? Yeah, I think it was um, Ryan Carr, I think uh, Nick Ballardo and Sam Fishburne. They're all sat in Sam Fishburne's car. Just like a little sort of messing around before the game, isn't it? The problem is the caption. On said photo, said game day v fifty year olds. Uh, let's have it. Well, the problem is the Snapchat they sent. They didn't just send it to their mates. It's one of these ones where it's almost like a story on Instagram, isn't it? Where you put it publicly, and clearly someone who knows them also knows the Carlisle City players has yeah. seen it. Which, which is which is no big surprise, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a small city, you know. Yeah. Football and, and what have they done? Of course, what they've done is they've sent it to the Carlisle City players. Well, you've yeah. pretty much done the team talk for them then. And yeah. From speaking to someone I know who's at the game, he said Sam Fishburne just didn't look on it at all in this match. And basically, Dan, K- Dan Kirkup was kicking him around the pitch for most of the game, which you'd expect yeah. Dan K- Kirkup to do. He's, he's he's a player who's played at that level for a long time now. and He, he's a, he knows you know, his way around the pitch at that level. Oh, Dan believe Kirkup. me, he does. He's, he's not going to like you know a comment like that. And he's at the last laugh, basically. I mean, Sam yeah. Fishburne, the way he was scoring for like a city early in the season, he should be relishing a game like that, thinking I can get a couple of goals in this game. And yeah. I know, yes, he relies a little bit on his teammates to provide them for him, but from what I heard, he just was not in the match at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically, after the game, um, Kirkup, Jordan Holt, um, I think it's Tyler Bowman, is it? I think, um, and Irving okay. all, all tweeted about it, didn't they? I mean, yeah. what I'd say is, Holt's got a bit of a nerve doing that, I think, based based on the fact that, you know, reports that he didn't always have the best attitude at Brunton Park from what I've been told. And, you know, he he, he certainly dropped down the leagues since he left Carlisle. So, yeah, a little bit of a, you know, get back in your box a little bit there. But, you know, fair play if they've used it as their team talk before the game. And their manager certainly commented it after the match, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and United have reacted to it. Um, those three players have now been suspended by the club pending an mm. investigation. Um You'd imagine Simo's going to comment it late today. We're recording early on on um, Thursday, so Simo's doing his post-match, uh, post sorry pre-game press conference uh, this afternoon. I do believe, so we won't know the full details, will we? Till then, I don't think he'll say too much in public. I think no. I think he might say, you know, it'll be dealt with behind closed doors. But for yeah, now, I think it'll finished. be it'll be one of those of being suspended. I mean, it'll be dealt with behind closed doors, and I, that's I, all I'm saying. I'm going to be honest, one. 
I think the, the club, I think the club maybe have overreacted a little bit. I certainly think our fans have overreacted to this way too much. Yeah, it's a bit mm. stupid and you may see it's a bit disrespectful, but I mean, for God's sake, it's it's a joke, isn't it, at the end of the day? It's the, not... defeat should, the defeat should hurt them enough. Yeah, exactly. The impression I get is that Simo's basically done this to basically make them feel a bit, make them feel very small and basically teach them lessons in humility and say, I'm not going to have any arrogance or cockiness like that. You've got to work hard to win these games. Don't expect you just going to yeah. turn up against a bunch of, you know, a, a, a lower league team, a lower non-league team, thinking they're 50-year-olds when well, they're not. A lot of them, lot of them are quite young lads, not much older than you. And they've made you look a bit daft. You know, mostly yeah. they've made the first team players look daft. I mean, because to, to be fair, actually, when you look at the lineups, only, only Fishburne started the game <laughs> and the other two didn't yeah. even go off the bench. So, you know, that, that goes to show. And yeah, it, it's... It's a frustrating one, isn't it? You, you, especially for Fishburne. Fishburne just hasn't kicked on, has he, in recent months? And I know it's difficult for him. He's come back and really we should have got him out for another loan spell. Yeah, I, th- I think I think as well, folk are forgetting, he is essentially still a second-year yeah. YTS player. You know, he's 18-year-old, so... Yeah, but the worry is, is he getting a bit big for his boots, maybe is the way best way to put it? And maybe this is Simmer's way of telling him almost, you've not made it few mentions of his car and that wasn't a fun line. Yeah, and you know what, people have cars, whatever, you know, it's, it's fine. But he, at the end of the day, he's still only, what, 18? Yeah. Having a flash car like that, it's the impression it gives. I've, I have no real problem with myself, personally. But yeah, I think some of our fans have gone a bit over the top. Someone's saying, you know, get them out of the club, they'll be at car sitting next to us and stuff like that. It's like, come on. Give, give, your, give your head to shake like it's... I doubt, I mean, I doubt they'd be welcome at Carlisle City. Probably, probably not, to be <coughs> fair, but there you go. But I mean, the point is... The reaction of some, considering we've had players involved in fights on Bochigate earlier this season, yeah, we've had players players in last in recent seasons basically telling the fans to f off, stuff like yeah. that. I mean, come on, the two week suspension is because they're young kids, and it's not like a serious you're going to get sack suspension, is it? I don't think, at least anyway. I think it's basically just a this is a warning: behave yourselves in future, sort of thing, isn't it? Really. So hopefully they'll learn their lesson for this. That's the that's the key thing, but um. But yeah, not not a night of glory for them, I think it's fair to say. Um, should we do loan updates before we talk about the Barrow game, Dan? Yeah, go on then. Not much to talk about, though, so. There isn't, is there, really? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk Unless about Unless you Taylor Charters. Well, we'll, 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 let, well, let's do Taylor Charters a second because we can cover the other two pretty quickly. Tristan Abrahams, um, not a great week for Tristan and Grimsby. Firstly, a nil-nil draw against um, fellow playoff chasers Boreham Wood at the weekend, a game in which he actually failed to get off the bench. Uh, this was then followed up by a 2-1 home defeat to another playoff chase, fellow playoff chaser, Solihull Moors. On this occasion, Tristan did it off the bench in the 90th minute <laughs> when I think Solihull had taken the lead on 89 minutes. So he's basically thrown on for a defender late on. Um, didn't work out, essentially. So yeah. not not really a good week for him. Uh, even worse week for Manny Mampala. Um They had no game at the weekend, Weymouth, because obviously... The National League's imbalanced at the moment, isn't it? It's got an odd number of teams. The one yeah. team has a, a game off each week, and it was them. In midweek, the Terrors uh, suffered another defeat, 2-0 at Woking, and Manny failed to get off the bench. I mean, the only other player on the bench who didn't come off was a goalkeeper. And I think that's been the case in the last few games, hasn't it? So, yeah. not not good for him. So, let's talk about the good story then, Dan. Taylor Charters. He's now made 13 appearances and scored two goals in his loan spell at the... Uh, International Stadium, and it's another great week for for him as Gator's match towards the National League North title continues, didn't it? Mm-hmm. 
Really good stuff. I mean, he played the full 90 minutes in both games. He played left-back, actually. I think they've got an injury to their regular left-back at the moment, haven't they? So Taylor has basically slotted in there. And oh, he's played the full 90 minutes in both games. He must be doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd got a 2-1 win at Boston United at the weekend, and they followed that up with a 4-0 home victory over Curzon Ashton in midweek. More on those two games in the x Blues section, of course, though. Um, <laughs> no surprise whose name will be mentioned there. Yes, yes, of course. Um it's a two-horse race at the top, though, still, isn't it? And Brackley Town just continue to match results. Big game coming now, isn't there? Oh, Big it's a game. huge one. Not this weekend, but the weekend after. Gator travelled to Brackley. And Brackley are obviously three points behind with a game in hand at the moment. So if, I don't know when that game in hand is for them, whether it's midweek next week or not. Um, if it is, then you potentially go into a game where they're level on points. Gator have got a lot better goal difference than there, haven't they? I think they're about good. 10 or 15 higher so um, yeah going really well for him there there's a big question which we'll maybe touch on in the match uh, review section about whether he stays there though that's the question isn't mm. it at the moment so we might have a decision to make on that one um, well let's move on then Dan match review and here we go mm. Barrow 1 Cal United 2 County bragging rights remain at Brunton Park as United run out 2 on winners at Hulk Street at the weekend extending their Run on the Furness Peninsula to, unbeaten that, sorry, to 62 years. <laughs> a little asterisk there, it's actually 10 games, but you know, yeah. it sounds a lot better 62 years, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, once again, the Blues faced an opponent that, I mean, they played some all right football, but I mean, they were totally yeah. toothless. I mean, I've seen teams play worse football against us, but I mean, one of their strengths clearly was set pieces there, wasn't it? That was the key thing for them, and... Other than that, they looked absolutely toothless in attack. They had absolutely nothing. Um, solid defensive performance and some efficient attacking play secured the three points. And it's a result that leaves United, I mean, I think it's fair to say, not far off securing EFL football for next season. I think I saw John Coleman put an article up about the odds for relegation earlier today, I think it was. And we've gone from a being, I think it was like, was it four or five to one on? Not on, sorry, four to five one. The odds where everyone is going down, it's ninety to one. It ain't happening. It's not happening now, is it? Not, not. It's obviously not hundred percent there, and I'm sure Simo wouldn't want them to take the foot off the gas. But hey, we put ourselves in a hell of a good position. I think it's fair to say. Um, should we touch on the goals before we talk about the actual match day and experience yeah. of going down, Dan? <coughs> Sorry, first up, um, Jordan Gibson's goal. Uh, this sort of almost came out of nowhere, didn't it? This strike. Um, yeah. Yeah. Quick break. Really quick break. I think Jordan nicked, nicked the ball, didn't he? Um, drove forward. He, he linked up with Patrick. I'm pretty sure Patrick got the pass away for him on this, but it's hard to tell on the, on all the, the videos of the goal. It looks like Patrick just, just sort of lays it off into his path, doesn't he? Gets away onto the... And it, I tell you what, for the position he was in, you'd never think to have a good strike, would you? No, probably sort not. Of dr- no. drives into the sort of far sort of... It's like the core of the box, isn't it, on the right wing? And from nowhere, he just thinks, I'm going to have a go. And we, from from the angle where we were, and we'll talk about bad views at that ground soon, but it looked to us like he was putting a cross in, like a low cross for someone at the far post. But actually, he absolutely hammers it, and it bounces in front of Farmer and clips off the post and goes in. It's a horrid bounce for the keeper. A horrid bounce. It is a horrid one. Isn't it? It's one of those ones you look back at, and I do think maybe Farmer could do a little bit better, but it's really well hit. Really well hit, horrible bounce, in off the post. 
I think it's one of those ones Farmer will tell you himself probably I, I should have done better on that. But it, it was strange because where we were stood, obviously the view wasn't great. Again, we'll talk about that soon. But I saw the ball hit the post, but I didn't see it hit the back of the net from where I was. Whereas Matty stood next to me, didn't see it hit the post, but he did see the ball hit the back of the net. So together, <laughs> we managed to see the goal. I had to actually go on Twitter and tweet someone asked to ask them to post the video of it because I couldn't see it, what yeah. happened. But yeah, great great goal. Put us into half-time, 1-0 up. Barrow came out a bit stronger start second half, but you always got this impression we could always hit them on the break. And that's what happened. I mean, comedy defending this goal, wasn't it? Yeah. Good awareness, though, from uh, our Brilliant, brilliant. So, um, throw out from Howard to Simeo. Um, he sent sort of, sort of almost a long, sort of hopeful, go and have a go at that sort of ball forward, didn't he? And... It looked to me like the defender had it completely covered. It was Matty Platt, I think it was, wasn't it, for them? Mm. He looked like it had it totally covered. And he, and he just got lazy with it. And Christian Dennis, who we've said before, he's not the quickest, but, you know, he, he, he's smart. Nipped in. And, and Paul Farmer at this point, he started coming for it, but he never fully committed, did he? And he got caught on no man's land. Dennis nips in. And it's a weird kind of because he just sort of flicks it, doesn't he? The impression I got from where we were stood alongside the pitch was he was trying to lob it over him but failed. But actually, when you look at it, what he does, he just sort of cleverly side foot it past him. It hits, I think it hits quite a strong divot because <laughs> it properly turns on a sixpence, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Starts just basically slowly rolls into the net before the defender can get in and it's 2-0. And yeah. absolute bedlam when that went in, wasn't it? It was yeah. mad. I think you were in that section, weren't you? Where, yeah, where right. Yeah. De- De- Dennis basically... Run over and gone. I had my telescope to try and see through the plastic sheeting oh, and goodness. scaffold and yeah, again, whatever we'll, else was in the way. We will talk about that very soon, I promise. Um, and yay, Christian clearly meant a lot to him that goal, didn't he? Jumps into the crowd and celebrates, and yeah, yeah, brilliant stuff. I mean, our, our good friend Nick Brown, who listens to the podcast, said he was almost uh snogging Simu in the celebration, he was uh getting that excited <laughs> about it, but uh. But there you go, brilliant stuff. Um, frustratingly, only held on to a two-nil lead for three minutes, and Barrow were back in the game with a to make it two-one. Um, as we said before, their biggest threat was set pieces, and not really surprised that that was where the goal came from. Really good ball into the box. Howard sort of flapped at it a little bit, and um, and there was um, Ollie Banks to sort of hammer it into the top. It was a really good finish, actually, to be fair. Because mm. the angle, because when, when he hit it, I thought, oh, bloody hell, he's done well to put that in the back of the net. And we see it actually on TV. It was a really good strike. But was it enough, was it, Dan? And I have to say, our game management late in the game was superb, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they didn't even have much of a goal, did they? No. They, got, they got that free kick right at the end, and you thought, oh, here we go, this is this is the moment. And he blazed it high and wide, and you're like, oh, oh, dreadful. It was absolutely dreadful. That was a real wasted chance, that, wasn't it? You caught, yeah. It's quite similar to the chance that we had against um, Oldham, wasn't it? Which Callum Guy set up for Feeney. And he just caught yeah. it completely wrong. And yeah, there you go. So, finished 2-1. Jubilant celebrations in the, uh, if you can call it that, away end at the end of the game. And yeah, all the uh, the three points go back up the A5-9-5. Um, let's talk about the ground then, Dan. We've put it off long enough. I mean, let's talk about the day generally going down. I mean, it was a nice little trip down. You went on the train after us, didn't you? Me and, yeah, uh, yeah. Me, me and Greg and, and Matty went down with uh, Greg's wife, Kirsty, went down on the uh, 908, I think it was, from 
Carl Station. Very busy train, pretty much standing room only by the time we got to Workington and a few of us got on there. Uh, unsurprisingly, a, a big queue for the toilet because <laughs> people have been <laughs> drinking a lot on what is a long journey down the coast, two and a half hours. Uh, the train actually stopped at, C- at uh, Sellafield. The, the police fair play them actually said to the driver, can you stop here for five minutes so they can use the toilet <laughs> so there's not a huge queue on the train all the way down. Um, and yeah, obviously we, we got in for about, um, I can't remember what time it was, it would have been about half 11, I think it was. The police were trying basically to shepherd everybody to this nightclub called Nines. I think the way that the Carl United Police Twitter account tried to, sort things the day before was a bit shambolic wasn't it i think it's fair to say mm. they were telling well, us the the said the, the, the spoons was the uh the pub for away fans i didn't even really say it was a pub for away fans they just said they more or less said you're free to go anywhere we'd recommend yeah. the weatherspoons then report emerged that weatherspoons was packed with barrow fans very early on on saturday police come down our train and tell us you're not able to go weatherspoons now you're all going to nines i'm like well what's that we you know, we're only here for two and a half hours. We want to get something to eat when we get there. Yeah. And we looked it up. It was a nightclub, basically, that was opening up early in the day <laughs> to put us in. Um, so, yeah, we get to the station and they had the usual thing where they the, the police were standing outside and they're only letting people who weren't going to the football out at first. And we basically said in our group of us, look, we want to get something to eat. We've been, we've been sat on a train for two and a half hours. We haven't had anything to eat. We haven't yeah. been drinking. It's common sense. And we just about managed to get ourselves out of it. Everyone else was marched to nines there, weren't they? I think you were one marched on the next train as well. Yeah, when too. when our train came in, uh, they just they basically just rounded everybody up and said, "Right, you're going to nines," and took us on a little tour of a back street of Barrow, and we ended up in what can only be described as a nineties nightclub. <laughs> Interesting which was place. Very bizarre. It was it was busy. There was yeah. I'd say there was probably 150, 200 in it. You know, and oh, it's great stuff for them, the, isn't it? A bit of extra money. The, the bar staff were loving it and making easy money. You know, people were on the drink, and it was very bizarre. Though very very bizarre. And then at two o'clock, we just uh, emptied the pub and walked everyone to the ground. So it was uh, a yeah. nice, pleasant. They took us a long way around, like up some back yeah. streets. And... I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. But yeah, yeah. it was a bit a bit of an odd one. Um, we managed to get some food and spoons. Um, wasn't the greatest. And then we actually ended up in the Duke of Edinburgh uh, after that because uh, Nick again, who getting his second mention on this week's pod, he'll be enjoying that. Um, he just messaged me and said, oh, the, come to the Duke of Edinburgh. It's, it's spot on in here. We couldn't actually get there before the game because there was a lot of Barrow fans outside it and police outside it. So we weren't able to go in. But yeah, lovely, lovely little pub, actually, the Jig of Edinburgh. I'd recommend it if you ever go into Barrow for any reason. God knows what that would be. Um, but yeah, obviously, then we walked down to the ground. And me and you have been to Hulk Street before, haven't we? Many yeah. years ago for, for Friendly Games. I, I actually so. looked it up. It was 2003 was the last time I went to Hulk the last time Street. you went? Wow. Yeah. I went, I think I went either the summer of two, either 2014 or... 2015, one of the two. I, I think I've been six times, and 2003 was the last time. Wow, that is a long time. Um, yeah. It hasn't yeah. changed in numbers, yes. <laughs> no, no, it hasn't changed much at all, has it? But the Hulker Street end behind the goal, has it changed for the better, though? That's the question, Dan. It, oh, I mean, I'm genuinely baffled how that ground has been. I know, I know they've reduced the standards that you need to be an EFL ground these days, haven't they? They've reduced it down to try and encourage more teams to get into the league. 
But how on earth is that a football league ground? I think what they should have done with that ground was built a small stand on the side. I think the problem they probably faced there was the sight lines because it's 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 an elevated main stand, their small main stand. And, you know, just bolted it into the middle of the terrace just doesn't work at all. It was, you know, I, I had friends who were in it. They said, they said it was all right, but even they couldn't see because on the segregation bit, apart from the normal fence, they've got all sort of plastic sheeting because apparently there was a missile exchange with some fans at a game. So it's... Well, you can put netting there. You don't have to put sheets there, do you? Well, yeah. Logic, isn't but, it? I mean, uh, there was some netting there. There was a sheet. There's some scaffolding. There's all kinds there. You literally, <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't have been able to see the ball coming in for Dennis's goal, would you, in the, in the section you were in? You, I could very, very slightly towards the end, and that was it. That tells you all you need to know, doesn't it? And like, yeah. like I said, we any whenever time every time the ball when we were kicking towards the the other end, the dressing rooms end. Yeah. Um. We, when it went down to the right wing to that corner flag, we couldn't see a thing. We had no idea what was going on because we were on that little bit on the side of the pitch just before you got to the seating main stand for, for Barrow. Um, and the problem is the seating main stand for the Barrow, it's elevated, but it's also closer to the pitch than yeah. the stand that we were in. So you couldn't see anything along that touchline in the other half, basically. It was, it was farcical. And, and, and as well as that, if you, if you could only really see anything if you were stood at the front. And obviously, by the time we got him in about quarter to three, everyone was already stood there, so we had to stand back a little bit. So we saw next to nothing in the game. It's one of those ones where I, I do wonder if I'll bother next season if they're still in the league, if it's still like that, because it's, it was just appalling. You could not see a thing. The facilities wise, the toilets weren't too bad, actually. They set up their little port. Yeah, the toilets were quite good once you could get to them. Yeah. It was uh, hard work pushing through to get to them. Yeah, and then you had a bar there as well on the top bit, which would be nice. A lot of people didn't even realise there was a food and drink area. At yeah, the back yeah, corner. a lot of people Abbott didn't realise as well. And you almost wondered, yeah. what's the what's the point of it? Because actually, what you're I doing mean, is taking away standing space there. Really, yeah. The, the, the actual cabin was well run, and the the young lad on the till, and I, I assume it was his dad. Mm. The, you know, they were they were very quick and organised, but there was there wasn't much uh, space because I, I got a a pie and a pint just before the match, you know, mm. and a bottle of pop for during it. And, you know, a fair queue, but they were getting through it. So fair play to them there. Yeah, and then obviously at the end, if you wanted to exit, you couldn't go back through the turnstiles we came in and that bit. You had to go up and over the actual terracing. Yeah. And down onto Hulker Street. It was just a, the setup there was just poor. I mean, apparently they're going to be knocking down that section, apparently, the um, at least the, the side bit, I think. In the summer, I think they're putting more seating in basically because the football league regulations mean you actually need more yeah. seating than they've got. Um, and you're given time to sort that out. I think cause I'm pretty, I was looking on TV actually. Um, Sutton, I think it was their game against Tramway. I've noticed that the terrace behind the goal they've knocked down half of that now. Yeah, yeah, they're already cracking on with uh, sorting yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, fair play. Uh, but yeah, so it was. <sighs> It was it was a farce, really, wasn't it? The whole setup there, really, and, and not helped much by the stewards either, who, who were not particularly helpful in the way they treated some fans. I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, the the ones where I was weren't too bad. Yeah, you know they they were alright, but there, there clearly was some who were uh, down the front who were a bit power hungry. Yeah. There was there was one last. I think it was when we scored the first. Everyone's jumping about. You could see a pushing fork, and I'm like. They're not doing anything, you know. Yeah. You're clearly power crazy. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I think they'd been drafted in from away, some of them. Well, that, that, it's interesting. I was looking on the uh, the Barrow Forum um, and looking at some of their comments on Twitter. I think the person who runs their security on their match days is not a popular bloke by all accounts. And yeah. there, were, there was a statement, wasn't there, from Barrow actually a couple of days after the game, basically apologising to the fans for what had happened at the game and some of the issues that they'd faced. So clearly it was problems in the home end as well. Yeah, there was there was there was something about under eighteens not being allowed mm. behind the goal or something unless they had ID. But when when we looked across, there was plenty of under eighteens. Yeah, yeah, with kids. It was a strange one that one, wasn't it? But but there you go. So yeah, it's good day out in the sense of the result in terms of if you wanted to actually watch a game of football, absolutely appalling. Um, yeah. Like I said, I think I maybe saw. I probably saw about two thirds of the pitch for most of the games. So. Just goes to show you. Before we talk about bits to do with the players, Dan, actually, um, talk about the atmosphere as well. Another brilliant show of support from the Blue Army at the weekend, really getting behind the team for the full 90 minutes. It's that feel good factor. It's something the club have got to really grab onto, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we only got 612 tickets. There were several in the home end, I know, <laughs> several who were in. Well, and... you know what, funny, before you go any further there, after the second goal, there was a guy who got chucked out from the home end and um, and he was getting dragged in front of us and he had glasses and like a hoodie sort of zip up top on and he was getting dogs abuse from our fans and he quickly zipped down his jacket to say, look, I'm a car laugh. <laughs> he'd got chucked out the home end. Like, I'm not, I'm one of you, I'm one of you. But yeah. But no, sorry, you were saying there, Dan. Yeah, uh, no, you know, we, we, only, we only got 612. We sold out. We could quite easily have took over three times as many if we got the tickets, especially, you know, I mean, we took 13, 1,400 to hold them. You know, we'd have took 2,000 to... Uh, to Even though Rochdale's Tuesday night, I still think we'll have a, a good following. You know, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if there's 1,000. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You can't make that one, unfortunately, can you? Because of work. No, no, I'm working. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. Uh, well, let's talk about some of the sort of play-related stuff then, Dan. I mean, the first one to talk about is the... As you mentioned before, like the injury to Colin Guy, real big blow this, wasn't it? It was only 18 mm. minutes into the game. It's a weird one because he sort of just stretched for the ball, didn't he? And he looked like he just jarred his knee, as he did, didn't he? And he won the tackle, but straight away he, he didn't get up from the tackle, did he? And you could see he was in a bit of bother. Yeah. And got a bit, got a bit of treatment, tried to play on and he just didn't, couldn't do it, could he? There was a William picture on his uh, social media on Sunday. He had a, a knee brace on. I mean, that... I'm assuming that was just precautionary so you don't do any further damage. Yeah. There's a problem I had him booked in for a scan on Monday. But, uh, I'm sure we'll find out know, the won't we? Yeah, well, like we said, we'll uh, we'll find out tonight, probably after we've recorded. <laughs> but uh, I'd be very surprised if we see him in the next couple of games. At the very least, certainly. Um does leave a bit of a dilemma for Simmer, though, doesn't it? Mm. Who do you place him with? Obviously, on the day he brought Corey Whelan on, he did a you know, a solid job in that game. I mean, it's one of those things you look at and you think to yourself, thank God we've got all these points the last few games because the midfield's been decimated in that time, hasn't it? I mean, Brendan Dickinson did an okay job in midfield, but actually looked a lot better when he moved to left wing back to replace Jack Armour when Danny Devine came onto the pitch. So what do you do? Do you go with Gibson, Devine and Whelan in there and maybe put Dickinson left wing back and put Armour onto the bench? Or do do you go with maybe one of them for... For Guy and just go with Dickinson, mm. Gibson, and one of it. I mean, as you mentioned before, do you recall Taylor Charters from his loan spell? 
Decisions. Tough choice. Decisions. What would you do in that situation? Uh, I don't know because I don't like the idea of Dickinson and Gibson in the midfield. No, three. I, I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm, I'm, I could, I could just about tolerate for a couple of games, but if you know, for the remaining, what is but it, eleven games, looking, nine games, whatever. Yeah, you're probably looking at Whelan and Divine, aren't you, alongside Gibson? Pro- I would say. Yeah, the problem with that is, it's a very workmanlike pairing, isn't it, Divine and, and yeah. Whelan? It's not quite as dynamic as I mean. Guy can be quite dynamic. He can spread the ball out, spread play a lot, can't he? Um, I suppose it might give Gibson a little bit more freedom to to get it'd forward be, and it'd, do stuff. It'd be a big chance for Divine. He certainly would. He's, he's only ever been bit part, really, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, I'm not convinced by Whelan as a midfielder anyway. I think it's just you know mm. he, he does a job there, but certainly don't see that as his long term position at the moment. Um, like I said, do you bring Charles back? I'm, I'm I'm torn on this one because I think, yeah, get, get him back and get him playing a few games. But then I'd rather maybe play the full 90 minutes at Gateshead and just got a, got some a good run of games there under his mm. belt first. Because obviously he's out of contract at the end of the season. I can't remember if he's got a trigger clause or not. But um, I don't think he has. No, nah, I don't think he has either. So it's, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? I don't, mm. What are you doing? It's one of those ones maybe you wait for the next, get the next two games out of the way and then then maybe you go, okay, let's bring Charles back yeah. now. Um, it'd be tough on, on Gateshead, but, you know, we've done him a decent favour letting him stay there and that, I suppose. But, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, there you go. So yeah, a bit, bit of good to see Callum get an injury, but hopefully not out for too long. Um, he, he generally recovers very quickly for injuries though, doesn't he? He gets these little knocks yeah. all the time, but hopefully that's just one of those. Um, let's talk about the big man at the back. Um, Denel Simeu. Just gets better and better every game, doesn't it? I've got to put my hands up and apologise. I was completely wrong at the start. You know, I, I, I wouldn't say I wrote him off, but I said, you know, for a player that they paid that much for, he did not look up to it. And he, he was really struggling to get up to speed. And I, you know, I was wrong. Long term, he looks a really good player, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he seems to be loving it here, doesn't he? There's, uh, there was a great photo doing the rounds of him celebrating and mm. he's all over it on his social media, so... Carry on, carry on. Well, you say he's all over the social media. He needs to get that profile picture changed. Get one with, <laughs> get one with you in a Carl Arshad Dinell. Come on. That's all we want to yeah. see before the end of the season. But yeah, no, he, 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 the passion he shows is really impressive, isn't it? He's someone who, he's, he's not come here just to, you know, get a little, few games under his belt and not really bothered about what happens, is he? he? He really cares and he's really shown that in his games and his work rate's fantastic. And like you said, the, the, the passion he showed a full time, you know, he was really, he really G's up the crowd. He really wants them to get behind us, doesn't he? So yeah. fantastic to see. I, I can't see us getting him on loan again next season. Can you at this rate? I think he, I think Southampton will be looking no. at League One probably, won't they? Not a player they've paid one and a half million for, no. No, no. I think one of those ones, isn't it? Maybe if he'd not done quite as well, we might have actually had a chance, but the way he's improved. Yeah. I don't really think there's there's much hope in us getting him back for next season. Um, our, friend, our big man, Christian Dennis, finally got his reward, didn't he? Yeah, well deserved. Well well deserved. deserved. I mean, Simo was very complimentary Whisper, about him, wasn't Whispered it quietly, the shades of Ian Stevens in him. You know what? I was literally just about to say that to me. He's got that about him. Steve was never the quickest. Whispered but, it quietly. But actually, what, what Steve was good, he was very quick in his head over a few yards, wasn't he? 
he knew when to make a quick move and then get onto the ball. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. yeah that that yeah. goal he scored was very Steven esque just nipping in, beat the thing in. Just, yeah. it's, not, it's not like a clean finish, is it? It's just that I'm putting it no, where no. I'll go in the net. And you're absolutely right. He's a similar age to, to Stevens when we had him as well. So I, I, I genuinely think, kind of dirty talk, but top scorer of League Two next season? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I have to see who else we signed, to be fair, as well. But um, but no, he's, he's, he's been fantastic since he's come in. His work rate's superb. He, he clearly meant so much in, to him getting that goal, didn't it? And, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm pretty sure if Simo does stay, he's the kind of player he wants to build an attack around, isn't he? Really, someone yeah. like him who can really lead the line and be the, be the main man in there. Um, Sam Fishburne could learn a lot from him, I think. Oh, absolutely! I think definitely he could. Definitely could. Maybe learn how to lock your social medias because I think <laughs> doesn't actually use most of it, does he? Yeah. Um, I've got to give a little shout out to Jordan Gibson. I think we sort of mentioned in recent weeks, he's not been quite up to the standards he set early on when he first joined, has he? he I, I think he said, he said as much as, as much himself, didn't he? You know, he, he did, yeah. Uh, he was particularly he was disappointed with a Newport game, wasn't he? Well, Simo said, didn't he? He sat him down on Wednesday morning, I think it was, and all oh, afternoon and made him watch the mistakes and stuff he'd made in the Newport game. And apparently, I think he said something like, similar, like Oh God, that's not good, is it? And he's like, so I was like, no. And I've had to watch that twice. Once on Tuesday night during the game, and again this morning. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but no, he, he said to him like he just wanted to show him, you know, the stuff he's got to work on, and and you know, he's playing in a slightly different position to what he's been used to play. He's, he's pretty much playing as a central midfielder at the moment. He's not yeah, even playing yeah. just behind the front two, is he? And he's and his work rate is great. And one thing I'd say about him is he, he never shies from asking for the ball, does he? he no, always no, wants no. it, and he always and goes looking for it. He's, he's, you know, he's involved in key moments. You know, his Absolutely. penalty against Northampton, the goal on Saturday. Yeah. You know, it shows you can still get the rewards when it's not going all your way. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, he's one who I think could really be a key player for his next season, I think. And another one you want to almost build your team around, don't you? You want him to be part of your spine, really, if he can perform well week in, week out. Um, what else have we got to talk about? We're talking about the team managers. I mean... Poor old Mark Cooper, eh? Look here. The dumbs. I, I couldn't believe his pressure match interview. Could you? Could you? Do you know what he said? He essentially said, uh, well, at like half time we came in, we told them they need to run around more. Do, do, <laughs> run around a bit or something like that, wasn't it? It's like He'd clearly lost the team, hadn't he? Yeah. There's a few rumours about him basically slacking off and what he wanted to do. And he was I basically. Don't, I don't think he's been happy with the setup of Barrow for a long time either. No. I think it's. No. It's worked both ways, you know, the training down Possibly. in Manchester area and apparently well, it's not the best. And... Well, apparently the, 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 there's an issue with that in the sense that, by all accounts, the Barrow players didn't get how big a game it was. They didn't really understand how much it meant to the, especially the young fans at Barrow, you know, it means a lot yeah. more to them than the older Barrow fans. But to them, they didn't grasp it, whereas we had Simo, Skelton, Jeff Hart, people like that, Constantly in the players' ears about the fact that you know you need to get a result against these lot of the week. Jamie Devitt will have said as well, you know, exactly, he understands yeah. it, and exactly, and he was there at the game, wasn't he? As well, which was great yeah, to see. Yeah. You know, even though he's injured, he, he went along, and and yeah, there's, that, that that's the reason I think that he really things like that. He, he just didn't really grasp it, did he? I think, and you do wonder if they have to get to the point soon, Barry, where they have to go. Well, let let's start looking actually getting the team training near 
Barrow or something like that because yeah. I kind of get why they do it. They but just but, but then then they're going to struggle getting players, aren't they? Possibly, possibly. But then you need players who maybe grasp the club a little bit more as well. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tough, tough, tough position they're in. Well, let's talk about, let's less about him then. Let's talk about our man, Simo. Five wins out of six. It's just genius, isn't it? I just just mm-hmm. can't can't underestimate what an incredible job he's done since coming in. Really, just to turn around a team that looked hopeless into one that's it's only lost one game very narrowly, a game they could have got a point from, really, potentially at the end. And I think if we played another ten minutes, we might well have, you know, against Newport, yeah, definitely. And I just, I just feel like they need the club really needs to seize this opportunity right now. And I know Simo mm. said, "Oh, you know, I'm not going to make a decision on my future until." the end of the season I'm sure behind the scenes he'd be happy to, to look at stuff soon because yeah. it, things have gone way better than we expected the, the, the big danger is Derby County going down yeah I suppose that's one way you're looking at it and you think Derby if they go know, down is Rooney still going to be there unlikely it's on his doorstep he's liked at the club already yeah that, that's it's, where the chance is that's why you want to get him tied down quickly before any yeah. of that happens you know, I've heard whispers that he's he's, he's he, fairly keen on the idea you know so yeah. you know he obviously want things to improve at the club he's got very high standards so hopefully he can sort them out. I, 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 and I know a lot of people say oh you know the ownership thing will need to be sorted he gets it doesn't he yeah. basically I don't think the ownership thing is as big an issue for Simmons as everyone's making out to be you know because he gets on well with Nixon and, and Jenkins and as seems... long as he as long as he gets the tools he needs he'd be happy I think yeah, yeah, I think people massively overestimate that that being an issue, really. So, yeah. interesting to see whether anything develops on that in, in the current the following weeks. But I mean, surely the owners can see the buzz. I'm sure Nigel Clippins, who we know occasionally listens to the podcast, will know that occasionally he should be listening yeah. every week. <laughs> he should be, he should be. Um, I'm sure he'll grasp that. You know, this is a big opportunity for us here because if, if you get tied down. You're probably putting an extra four or five hundred on your season ticket sales for next season straight away. Yeah, with the the buzz that people will have. So, yeah, let, let's hope that gets sorted. But uh, overall, good weekend in terms of the result. Can't really grumble at all, can you? And put ourselves within touch of uh, safety now, haven't we? Done. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. Right. Let's take a short break, and then we'll be back with the second half of the show. This is John Mellish. You listen to the Brunt and Bugle. The big daddy himself there, John Mellish, became a dad this week, didn't he, John? Yeah, uh, congratulations to John and his partner. Yeah, fantastic news. Little Oakley arrived uh, on, when was it Wednesday morning, I think it was? It arrived, yeah. Uh, well, it was announced then, at least, anyway. So, great news for John. Um, and we will be backing him for first goal scorer this weekend, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> Hopefully the Bebeto celebration will be uh, brought out as well, um, as, as is tradition on that sort of uh, occasion. So, there you go. Um just a reminder, everyone, obviously, uh, as usual, you can subscribe to the podcast for your all good podcast apps, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or Acast, is the, which is the supplier that we use, actually, to host the podcast. Um, on those apps, quite a few of them, you can review the podcast as well. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be amazing. We've had some brilliant reviews so far. Re- really, really great to, to see. Um, social media, you can follow us uh, at Brunt Bugle on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Just click like on the Button Bugle page if you search for that. 
And we also are on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group, posting there regularly and uh, on the Cumbrians.net message board. And uh, you can contact us in the old-fashioned way to uh, bruntabugle at gmail.com as well via email. Had an email in from this week actually asking about whether we're doing uh, player interviews and things like that and extra features. Well, we are looking to get them secured a few of them for the summer aren't we dan i think we're going to get a few yeah. in the bag we've got a few few ideas in the pipeline and yeah because because over the summer it's, i'm getting married in the summer so there'll be a probably a three-week period where i definitely won't be able to do much particularly in pre-season so we may have to get get a few little bits to, to fill the time in between that won't we dan i think it's fair yeah. to say because because i because uh, for those who don't know i not only do we record this, I'm the one who puts it all together. So I think when I'm away, basically, the I, podcast I, 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 I just log on and chat shit, basically. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that, exactly that. But there you go. Um, reminder, uh, our sponsor uh, for this season, for the second half of the show, is the Cal United Sports Club London Branch. London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore, and of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips, as well as arranging many social events, sports games and fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the previous section this season too. You can find out more about London Branch at their website, carlolondonbranch.org. They've not sent me the away pub for Rochdale, but I'm 99% certain it'll be the cemetery in because that's the way <laughs> that everybody goes to in Rochdale. Yeah. So just, just take it as given the cemetery in is the, the meeting pub for this game. The, the supporters bar next to the ground actually is a belted little club as well, actually, isn't it? So if, if you're just getting in later and you haven't got time to get to the cemetery, which is actually is further away from Scotland than you think. <laughs> I used to think it was really close, but it's up quite a big hill. Um, but yeah, if, if, there's a supporters bar right next to the ground as well, so that's a, a great place to go. Okay, Dan, so Mike, as usual, is uh, sent us a question because he's not able to record. So it's been a while since we had Mike on, actually, isn't it? It's just the- I know. Well, I'm, I'm on holiday in a, in a couple of weeks, so he'll have to uh, sort his work out. To well, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to do that one because he's going to that game and, I, and I'm not. So we, we need him to do <laughs> yeah. the preview and he'll have to do the review episode the week after as well, <laughs> I think. So we'll, we'll work him hard that week, I think it's fair to say. But yeah, as usual, Mike is sending his question for this week's game. So uh, I don't know which one it is, whether it's Rochelle or Bristol Rovers. We'll have to wait and see. But here's Mike's question for this week so for an extremely tenuous segue into this week's question joey barton is no stranger to brunton park having broke his foot on the hallowed turf in a pre-season friendly in 2007 while playing for newcastle now who it was a 1-1 draw who were the goal scorers in this game for each team and also, we had a former Newcastle player playing for us in that game, and he also used to play for Bristol Rovers. Who was he? Oh. So what, what, what year I, was it again, did he say? 2007, was it? Uh, 2007 it was, yeah. Okay, I, I think I know... I, I know the former Newcastle in Carlisle player, Bristol Rovers, so Newcastle Bristol Rovers player playing for us that day, I'm pretty sure I know that. And... I think I know the goal scorers, but I'm going to keep quiet on that. Should we? We'll do it later on, just before we do yeah. the next file section. But you think you know them as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And you've got them, so there you go. Interesting question. That little nice little segue there from Mike. Um, right. Um, the behind enemy lines will come later on because we're doing Rochdale this week, so we'll go straight into the Bristol Rovers preview section. Um, so yeah, we face uh, Rovers this weekend at Brunton Park. Uh, referee for this game is Andy Haynes. From Tynan Weir, it's his 15th season as an EFL referee. He's taken oh, so regular, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he comes over like two or three times a season usually. It's actually only the second time he's been this season, though. 
So it's an interesting one. Um, he's taken charge of 29 games so far this season, handing out 76 yellow cards and one red card. So he's not that card happy, is he? Could better against some of the others we've had this season. Um, he uh, last took charge of United for a game in January. It was Keith Millen's last win in charge of the Blues, the 2-0 victory over Bradford City. There you go. Interesting Ooh, wow. one. Not actually that long ago already, is it? Um, Head-to-head-wise, it's the 38th meeting between the two sides with United winning 13, uh, Rovers winning 15 and nine games ending in a draw. Uh, last season, Rovers finished rock bottom of uh, League One. Had a miserable season, didn't they? They had three different managers across the season. Was it Ben Garner who's now in charge of uh, um, Swindon Town? Paul Tisdale who's just left Stevenage and obviously then Joey Barton took over in the February, so... So yeah, not not a great season for the last season. This season doing a lot better though, aren't they? Especially of late, they're currently in fourth on sixty three points from thirty eight games. They're fourteen positions. They've had a proper turnaround, haven't they? Yeah, fourteen positions and twenty points ahead of United, having played one game more. Um, their manager Joey Barton appointed in February twenty twenty one. He's got a contract until the next summer, I think. I've not, not seen anything to suggest it's been extended, but I'm guessing he probably won't be far off getting extended soon. Uh, he's only previously managed Fleetwood Town. Um, is it probably fair to say he wasn't the shy or retiring type as a player, Dan? Um, and not much has changed since he's moved into management. <laughs> yeah. He's certainly opinionated, to say the least. Um, yeah. He actually, you know what, for all the, some people Mickey take, he did actually quite a solid job at Fleetwood, didn't he? I can't remember if he actually made the playoffs with him or not. But I, I, I think he did one season. But, you know, he did a fairly solid job over three years there. And... and- I don't honestly think Fleetwood can go much higher. I think they'd hit the glass ceiling. I think that's the reason he left, yeah. wasn't it? It wasn't a case yeah. of, you know, I'd, I've, you know, I'd, he'd fallen out with them or anything. Like that. I think he just he reached the point where he was like, you know, what, actually, I can't actually take this any further. And I think yeah. the owner has, has cut back quite a bit on how he's funding them, hasn't he? I think they're being a bit more careful with the cash of late. Um, but yeah, he obviously uh, he left them in early 2021. Then he took over the Memorial Stadium not long after. Um, he's turned around a position that saw, I think it's fair to say his job was a little bit in danger back in autumn, wasn't it? When we faced them down at the Memorial Stadium, there was sort of some talk of Beach or Barton, either of these two could potentially end up leaving after this game. And obviously it was Beach was the one who left. We lost 3-0. And since then, they've just kicked on a little bit, haven't they? And especially in the new year, they've, they've really picked up form and... Now, they look in a good position to finish in the top three, don't they? Mm. The way things are going. Um, he's had plenty of controversies since becoming a manager. Just just to pick out a few here, he was cleared of assault on uh, the Barnsley manager um, while he was in charge at Fleetwood. Um, he made a Holocaust reference in a post-match interview um, while in charge of Rovers. And uh, he's also been very public in his criticism of the previous two managers at uh, Rovers, particularly of Ben Garner, which he did before their game against Swindon earlier in the season, which they went on to lose 3-1. Um, basically telling him he would quite happily spend an hour, half an hour with him talking about the, the basics of management, apparently. Um, I know they're ahead of Swindon now, but it just it, it, sometimes you think to yourself, just shut your, shut your mouth for a bit, for God's sake. No one really cares that much, do they? Yeah. But there you go. So, um, yeah, uh, there's, there's other things away from the field that we won't talk about right now. Cause yeah, one, one's actually is, ongoing at the moment, isn't yeah. it? So, so we'll, we'll leave that. But um, I'm sure you'll get a, a warm welcome from the paddock at the weekend, won't we, Dan? Yeah. 
particularly the take the lead. He's the sort who'll love it. Yeah, oh, you will. And you know what? He's shown himself to be a a fairly decent manager, hasn't he, by the looks of things. I mean, at Rovers, he's probably got a bit of funding there, hasn't he? Because he's got quite a few experienced heads who aren't going to be cheap in that team. And they've got a big squad. But still, you've got to do it on the pitch, haven't you? So, fair play. Um, Last time out, big win for them this, wasn't it? Against Northampton Town. Very big. Because Northampton are just ahead of them in the the league. And... um, it was a 1-0 win thanks to a first-minute goal by Harry Anderson and they held on for the rest of the game and didn't make a single sub either. They do say that sometimes, don't they, managers, that sometimes actually making a sub for the sake of it, there's no point. If the players are not looking tired, sticking with the team you've got out there can work better yeah, than, yeah. than making a change. A second, goal would, it, yeah, yeah. a second goal would have been handy for them, though, because it would have actually put them up to third place because I think it's Northampton are just ahead of them, aren't they, in the table, I think, right now, yeah. if I seems to remember rightly. And, they've got one better goal difference on the same number of points. So yeah. a bit frustrating, I suppose, for them that they couldn't get that other goal, but I'm sure they'll be looking this weekend to try and beat the Blues and get ahead of them. And it's a proper clash of the the two form teams in the division, isn't it, Dan? It certainly is. It's uh, 1v2, isn't it, I think? Yeah, that we're, we're in the last six games form table, they're first and we're second. Their record is one lost and then four wins. And ours is, what is it, one... One, one, Four one, wins, loss, loss one. So it's yeah. the opposite way around. Yeah. Um, they've won eight of their last ten, um, and those other two games were a draw and a defeat. Um, their only defeat in the last six games was against Newport. And who yeah. was United's defeat in the last six games against? Newport. Newport, who who are third in the form table actually. So, so there you go. Um, quick look through their squad, Dan. We said there before. There's some experienced names in there, isn't there? That really stand mm. out. Who do you pick out? And, uh, do you know who I'm going to pick out? He's actually on loan from Newcastle. Elliot Anderson. He's on fire at the moment. And he's flying, eh? just before we were recording, apparently he's played under 19 for England, yes, I saw this, yeah. but under 21 for Scotland and England. They're trying to uh, nab him back. So there's a bit of a a pull for his services from England and Scotland at the moment. I think I think he's only in the Scottish on grandmother, yeah. which I, I think is a level too high personally for international. Mm. But uh, yeah, so no, Elliot Anderson has certainly been on uh, form last few games. He scored a few great goals with me, but wasn't he? Mm. It's one of those frustrating ones. You think if we were doing well, it was the kind of play we could have maybe got across the. The old. Um... And, and it's annoying because because of a waster like Sorensen who just wasn't asked when he was here. Yeah. You know, Newcastle have obviously fell out with us. Well, it's sure that Amiobi runs our loans, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it might not be cases they've fallen out with us. They might just look and think, well, Bristol Rovers are in a much better position and they're going yeah, to get yeah. better, better chances. But no, there. I mean, Elliot Anderson's gone from Newcastle to Bristol. Tom White's uh, the one for it's at Hartlepool, mm. isn't it? No, not yeah. Tom White. Uh, what's his name? You're going to have a Joe White. Joe White, yeah. Sorry, yes. yeah. Tom, Tom White's a barrow, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. But no, it's, it's annoying when you see, you know, clubs that we, we should be taking players off. And, uh, yeah. But it is what it is. Yep, well, hopefully um, Simo can stay on and sort out some of those relationships, hopefully, over the summer. Um, yeah. Well, yeah he, he worked in Newcastle for a bit as well, he did, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Um, just, just looking at, again, at the squad... James Connolly from, from Cardiff City, I think, is one who's done really well there as well. Um, obviously, Nick Anderton is the, the link in there as an ex-Blue, isn't he? And he seems to be doing 
he seems to have got his way back into the team because I think he lost his place, didn't he, for a while? And he's uh, started most of the recent games, what yeah. can I say? Ex Lorne, um, Ryan lost up front. Yeah, well, funny enough, they signed him, they paid money for him in January, didn't they? And he started Basically okay. relegated Scunford by signing him. Yeah, well, it's, it's he started okay, but he's, I think he's been on the bench for a lot of recent games. Like, yeah. He's not really been yeah. getting, getting any chances. I mean, he won't want to change a winning team, though, will he? So. Yeah, they've got big Aaron Collins up front, haven't they? They signed from Forest Green Rovers, who's a player actually I really like. I'm really impressed with him when he played against us early in the season. Um, Harvey Saunders is one that we reckon we should have targeted in the summer. But obviously, I think I think there was a whisper we might have looked at Saunders, but uh, I'm guessing he's worked he, under Barn before, and he, he said that might worked for him at Fleetwood, so it was never going to happen. Was it? As, as did Paul Coots as well, who's a player with uh, plenty of experience. FA Cup semi-finals yeah, with Sheffield yeah. United, wasn't he? I think back in the day. Yeah. Alongside Stefan Skugel, of all people. Um, and obviously Glenn Whelan. I mean, God, he's got so many games under his bag, hasn't he? So he's, yeah. he's one that's always going to offer a bit of experience in there. I don't think he's been involved too much lately. I'm just looking at the last lineup. He didn't actually play at the weekend, did he? So I'm not sure if Whelan's heavily involved or not. Um, yeah, so as we mentioned there, they're on an incredible run, taking themselves from mid-table to on the verge of a top three place. I mean, the, the top of the table in League 2, though, is incredible at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I when mean, take away it. Forest Green, who finally got back to winning ways on Monday. Mm. And it's, you know, there's, there's any two from about eight teams could go up with them, you know. I mean, I'm just looking at the table now. I mean, from Exeter in second, are on 65 points, down to Mansfield in 10th from 59. Uh, Mansfield have got two games in hand on Exeter. Yeah, and Exeter yeah. have got a game in hand on most of them. So, you know, any any of those teams could finish in the top three. Just phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, even yeah. you can even go as far as probably saying Salford actually still got a chance of the playoffs. I mean, they're, they're a little bit behind, but they're on a good run of form as well. They've not lost in a while. Yeah. So, so you never know. You never know, really. With it. I mean, imagine a lot of those teams are going to be playing each other as well. So there'll be points dropped all over the place and... Yeah, I mean, Tramir looked like they'd really dropped out recently and suddenly they've picked up form again and then Mansfield dropped off and they've yeah. picked up form and it's just it's just a proper seesaw, isn't it, at the top there? Do you know the, the best there. of it? Yeah. Most of these clubs have still to play battle. <laughs> uh, you, you're desperate for that win on that bet, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're desperate for. Um, only have a little thing about Bristol Rovers I've picked out down there. Um, their owner, Wail Al-Qaeda, um, he celebrated six years at the helm with an open letter to fans recently gave them updates on infrastructure improvements investment in the youth etc i think they've just sort of set up a new training ground base which they're really developing <laughs> ironic and all speaking to fans what a novel idea yeah i mean it, i say in fairness i'm trying to be fair here but we, we've got nigel clippins who does a lot of that isn't he basically on yeah. for them essentially and he gives very regular updates to us um but yeah, I think they've they've got ongoing issues with trying to find a new ground, haven't they? I think they were looking at one right on the edge of Bristol at the University of uh, the Southwest or West of England, I think it is, or something like that. Um, so I think, yeah, they're looking to hopefully sort something in the near future for that. Um, so there you go. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about that, about United head of this game, um, injury-wise. Obviously, it looks like Callum Guy will probably miss this game. We're not 100% yet, but it doesn't seem likely that he's going to feature... Um, long-term injuries to Jamie Devitt, Kelvin Mellor and Joel Senior. Gimme Sure played a good hour against Carlos City in midweek, but by all accounts was a bit rusty. Maybe a little bit too soon. Maybe he'll come onto the bench. I don't know. We'll I was saying there's maybe space on the bench with the injuries, but I wouldn't be looking at him to... Well, when to you look at anything. it, obviously Guy's going to 
come out potentially, which means one player will come in, which frees the space on the bench. Yeah. You've basically got Toure, Windsor, who just completely dropped off the radar and didn't do much in midweek. And Roberts, again, who didn't do much in midweek, probably fighting for that place, haven't you? And Dixon. I mean, again, Dixon didn't do much, did he? So you, yeah. you do wonder with Toure setting up the goal and I offering think, something a bit different. Probably, I think you would probably put Windsor above. Probably, but I mean, personally, I'd, I'd probably like to see Toure get a, a run in there because he, he's mm. unpredictable and he offers something a bit different. And he's one of our own players for the next couple of months yeah. at least. But there you go. Um what would you change in midfield then, Dan? We talked discussed on this in the previous section. Would you? How would you change I'd it? Would say, you change formation, maybe? Or uh, I'd say you're probably looking at dividing for Guy. I think. Yeah. Maybe maybe yeah. drop Armour for Whelan and put Dickinson on left wing back to change things a little bit there. Uh, apparently, Jack Armour had been feeling slightly unwell prior to. Barrow, oh, well, that might be it then. Yeah. You know, maybe why he uh, he didn't last as long. Uh, I would imagine that's cleared up. Uh, I don't think there'll be too much change, you know. Uh, yeah. Guy's the obvious one. Mm-hmm. Well, you're back, <sighs> you're back a, three. Probably stays the same as it is. As tempting well, as it would be. Well, five does really, doesn't it? Yeah. The, like I said, the only one where you maybe change it is Armour for Dickinson, but even then... I think Divine comes in for Guy. Yeah. I think that's the likely outcome, isn't it? Probably yeah. That one, but there you go. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll do the predictions at the end once we've done the Rochdale bit. Um, which brings us on nicely, Dan, to the Rochdale game and the Behind Enemy Lines section. So um, this week we spoke to um, Chaff from the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. Um, what do we talk about? Well, basically, just what a mess it is off the pitch at the moment, Rochdale, with this EFL charge relating to the uh, attempted takeover last year, which the, the fans thwarted. And they're probably the ones who are going to get punished now for it, which is incredible, really, isn't it? Because the people running it now are, by all accounts, very decent people. I've, I've, in fact, I've met some of them, really, really good people. And really hard for Rochelle, isn't it? But I suppose the, the main aim for them is staying up and then hopefully avoiding a points deduction. But, um, but yeah, so we were going to chat about all those kinds of things and uh, had a big game next week. So here's a chat I had with Chaff. Chaff, you Rochdale are back in League One for the first time in seven seasons this year. And while things on the pitch have been, I think you'd probably say, solid if not spectacular, off the pitch, it, it's all been going off, hasn't it, for the last 12 months or so. It's been quite a crazy time for Rochdale, especially as a club that a lot of fans always looked at as as being a club that was really well run for like a small community club. It all seems to have gone a bit belly up but then sort of all be recovered by your fans' trust. Can you give our fans as brief an overview as possible? I know it's going to be difficult because it's quite a long story as to what's actually happened in the last 12 months or so. Yeah, how do you put it into a nutshell? Mm -hmm. Um, So, basically, last summer, we were subject to a hostile takeover um, by a group called Morton House, led by Andy Curran, uh, who had dealings with... South End, yeah. um, and obviously they're they're not a football club you aspire to be off no. the pitch, <laughs> um, and we thought we'd fought off this hostile takeover, um, but there's a big court case going on now where Martin House believe that they've been wronged. Uh, a lot of money has changed hands for shares, but uh, these shares have never. 
been properly transferred over. So Morton House seems to be an awful lot of money out of pocket. Um, and but it just seems that they want to claw back as much as they can. So it's just been an absolute mess to be to be perfectly honest with you. Um, it's not something that I've ever gone through watching Rochdale. Yeah. Um, we now have uh, Matt Southall involved, um, and the the name itself should it should sort of put fear into into mm. everybody who knows about the the situation down at, at Charlton. Yeah. Um, and it all stems from club employees, um, former board members, um, trying to get in bed with these people, um, and bring them into the football club and they're no longer with us thankfully but the damage that they've caused seems to be going on and on so at the minute we're battling um, to raise money for this big court case um, to try and finally put an end to the hostile takeover I mean you suppose Trust has done an incredible job there haven't they last summer I remember we talked I think it was Dean we talked to earlier this season wasn't it? and he said you know you had people driving around speaking to you know minor shareholders and trying to convince them not to sell the shares and things like that and it shows the real it is a real community club Rochdale isn't it in that sense I've never seen anything like it uh, if I'm honest um, it's it's remarkable it it really is um, the lengths that the supporters trust even people not in the supporters trust there's, there's like a, a group of um so they're a little bit hidden um, a, a group of saviours um, that have all sort of put their abilities into it there mm-hmm. and and done a really really good job they went yeah like you said they went around getting um, details of minor shareholders um, and sort of asking them not to not not to sell their shares I believe that the furthest one um, that we that we went and visited was um, in the Isle of Arran um, which is um, yeah it's not just around the corner yeah. um, so the the efforts that have gone in um, from an awful lot of people um, spearheaded by the supporters trust is absolutely incredible and when you see when you see what happened down the road from us at Berry yeah. uh, at Macclesfield um, what's going on at be, Oldham as well what's going on at Oldham what nearly happened at Bolton? Um, it's it's put people, it, it's it's made people a little bit more aware, and yeah. put their guard up a little bit. So that's exactly what we've done. They've tried to take on Rochdale because I think they thought it was an easy, an, an easy capture, yeah. and they've taken on the wrong people. I think. Yep, certainly have, and it's really good. To see. I mean, we was, we we always say on our podcast as well. What, what a great away day Rochdale is, and. A great club as well, so it's really good to hear that. Let's talk about things on the pitch now. Um, oh, do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, coming down, at the start of the season, we, we, we said that, you know, in the summer, we actually had you guys down as potentially going down because the fact that, I think when we recorded our preview podcast, you still only had about 12 or 13 players registered for the season. So it, it was difficult that. How, how do you think Robbie Stockdale's done in his, his first management job? Because obviously coming into a situation like that, can't be easy for anyone, but he seems to have steadied the ship, albeit a bit of a drop in form, particularly of late. 
Um, it's it depends who you speak to because at the minute there's an awful lot of people who would disagree with that. Um, the football that we're playing is not particularly good. Um, myself personally, I'm still fully behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, the the job that he came into, he, he he basically came into an absolute car crash of a club yeah. without knowing it was a car crash. Um, pretty much the day he. he Signed to become our manager, we were put. We we, we seem to have restrictions put on us in in terms of transfers, mm. um, and there was yeah there, there was the whole thing going on off the field. We barely had a squad. He's he's had basically two weeks to to get together a, a squad that's that's capable mm-hmm. uh, of playing in in League Two, um, and that job. I don't think it can be understated how big a job that was. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also had the January transfer window, and I think this is where yeah. people are getting a little bit annoyed because he has had money to spend in this January transfer window. Mm-hmm. So obviously we've brought in Savon Campbell from yeah. Walking um, for a six-figure sum. We've brought in Luke Charman from Darlington, um, who I think was linked with uh, with you lot for a, yeah, for a little briefly, bit. Yeah. And we've barely seen Luke Charman yet, yeah. so it's and yeah. A lot of people are, lo- are seriously losing patience. It's, even some of the lads on our podcast. Mm. Um, in fact, I seem to be the the only one who's backing him at the moment. <laughs> but there, um, it's a it's it's been a case of that the the performances are not brilliant. The same mistakes are being made. Um, I just, my my own opinion is this season was always going to be one where staying up yeah. was was the only objective, um, and then we build from there. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to see him with a with a, a full pre season because he came in halfway through our pre season, um, and I'd like to see him with a, another transfer window to to be able to to say that the the squad that he has got is pretty much his. It's interesting you say that about not playing well because when we played you um, what, about a month ago, I said, wasn't it? I think um, in one in Paul Simpson's first home game back in charge, I have to say you're one of the best teams I'd seen this season in terms of the football you played. You, you really played well that night, and any other night you probably would have beaten us, but it was just that sort of atmosphere <laughs> that was behind us but, that really drove us on. Yeah, so I was at that game, and I I, I, I agree with that. I thought we played well for the most part. Um, we don't seem to be able to. To string two good halves together, yeah. um, I said. I said to a mate of mine the other week, we can't seem to to put two halves together, and he said we can, but the the two bad halves <laughs> not very good ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and that's the annoying thing. I mean, Tuesday, um, Tuesday night against Mansfield, um, I thought we played really well first half, um, and played fairly well second half, but we we still came away with nothing. Um, we've stopped creating chances, having having been one of the teams that create more chances than than other teams earlier on in the season. Losing Jake Beasley in the in the January transfer window, uh, albeit not surprising, has um, hit us a little bit harder than I think people thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Aaron Marley. So when we're not creating that many chances, and we we do seem to be a little bit. Brittle at the back, as well. Yeah, yeah. It's just frustrating that sometimes when that happens, it just you know it's you feel like that you're almost there with the squad, don't you? But maybe, like you said, he just needs another preseason to build it a bit further. Um, 
let's talk then about um, ex-players and links between the two clubs and the teams. Um, I'm looking for your squad, I don't think actually there is any ex-Carlisle player links in there, interestingly. Normally there's one or two, but for once, I don't think there is. Looking for our squad, there is one or two. I think, did you have Magnus Norman on loan, I think, briefly? <laughs> did we? Uh, <laughs> He's, he's, uh, he's not first choice for us now. I think it's fair to say he probably won't see him on Tuesday night. But yeah, that's a shame for us. <laughs> um, he will go down as one of the worst goalkeepers we've possibly ever had. Mm. Certainly in my time watching Rochdale, he was absolutely dreadful. Um, I remember a game at Doncaster on New Year's Day a couple of years ago, um, and he was literally being booed by our supporters um, I think we lost I think we, we, we conceded five and at least three were his fault and it was just a, it was just an absolute mess and uh, it's a, a loan spell that everybody would love to forget but his, his name will come up for years and years in sort of when you name your, your worst ever 11s his name will, will certainly get a mention I think yeah. Um, is there is there anybody else on, on your Lewis team? Al- I think Lewis Alessandro is another one, isn't he? I think he doesn't replace so much for us this, this second half of this season, but he's one who done well actually for us when yeah. he's been with us. Yeah, yeah, it's a good shout because he he actually lives near me. Um, yeah. He's <laughs> he's he's a Harewood lad. Um, he used to play for the team that my son plays against most weeks <laughs> um, when he was younger as well. So yeah, he's, he's a local lad, Lewis. Um, see him knocking about all the, all the time. Didn't, when he signed for us, I was I was quite excited when he signed for us, um, mm. but for whatever reason, Keyfield um, barely played him, mm. um, and I thought he'd sort of drop out the league and and sort of head back down the the footballing pyramid after that. Um, but he seems to have done well for yourselves, um, post Rochdale. So yeah, he, he's done okay. For he's got, to, I think he's got to the point now where he's probably going to be leaving in the summer. I think it's more a case yeah. of you know he's he's a useful sub to bring on at the moment. And of course, the only other link is uh, the man in the manager's hot seat. Didn't have the best of times with you guys, but it's interesting. In fact, he did a fans forum, Paul Simpson, not long after he got appointed, and he bid, did basically admit I deserved to get a sack at, sacked at Rochdale. Whatever, I just didn't wasn't good enough, and yeah, it was a big learning curve for him. And he actually didn't even want the job. But they offered it to him, so it was quite interesting. That he, how, how did you look back on his time in charge? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a time that I, I remember very well. Um, we he first came in and, as a player hmm. um, in February ish um, of the season before he was the manager, and he was fantastic. Um, yeah. Like so much better than the, than that level. He was hmm. unbelievable for us. Um, pretty much steered us into the playoffs that season and yeah. I, I genuinely thought we were going up um, as a player magnificent yeah. then he got the manager managerial role because uh, John Hollins um, there was a there was an issue with, with, yeah. with Hollins and he ended up leaving and Simpson was the at the time it seemed like an obvious choice to be honest yeah. with you um, and I was very pleased when we made it because it yeah, everything pointed to us having a really good season and it just didn't pan out that way. No. Um, he didn't stop playing himself, um, which to an extent I get because of how good he was. Yeah. Um, but if that's the case, you, you need somebody who can manage from the from the dugout and we didn't have that in Jamie Hoyland. Yeah. Um, it also stagnated the the, pros, the the progress of uh, a certain Patrick McCourt <laughs> um, 
Kevin Townsend uh, and a couple of other very good young prospects that we had that had done very well previously. Um, He also brought in some some pretty marquee signings for Rochdale, players like Lee Hodges, I don't know if you remember him. Yes. um, At Scunthorpe. Uh, Chris Beach, um, obviously, um, ex-manager of yours. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, took a side that, that finished fifth to a side that finished 19th um, and having seemingly improved the squad so yeah we we did have a we did have a good FA Cup run um, yeah. to his credit um, interesting that he's that he's come out and admitted that um, it was it, it wasn't the best time at Rochdale um, yeah. and fair play to him for that to be to be yeah. perfectly honest what? with you yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend listening to because he did talk quite a bit about how he got the Rochdale job and stuff like that, and it's really interesting because he basically does admit he wasn't really ready for it at the time, and he only basically did an interview with you guys as a as basically he did it as a basically testing himself to, to see how he would do in an interview. He wasn't really that yeah. fussed on it, and it was only like months later he said that he actually got offered the job of his, uh, separately, obviously at a different time. When uh, Hollins decided to leave, so yeah, interesting on that one. Um, obviously, very popular up at Brunham Park. I think it's fair to say, in comparison. Um, Chaff, I've, I've kept you for quite a while now, so we'll, we'll, we'll wrap things up now. Just we'd like to do a little predictions ahead of our game. So, have you got a prediction okay. for this one? Um, I'd like to say that we can win. I think we can win the game. The prediction I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a draw. We've drawn 16 games this season. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else has drawn more than us. Um, and it's night time that, that you guys stop winning games. <laughs> um, I'm getting a bit fed up of that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, go with a, I'll go with a score draw um, and plenty of booing if we've not picked <laughs> up a win before that. Jeff, thanks very much for your time and genuinely all the best for the rest of the season and I hope all the off-the-pitch issues get sorted really quickly at Rochdale. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Big thanks once again to Chaff for taking his time to speak to us ahead of the big game and hopefully uh, we wish all the best to Rochdale and hope all the off-the-field issues get sorted because they're a proper football league club out there, Dan. They're one of those yeah. top away days, top clubs, so hopefully they can uh, get it all resolved over the summer at the very least. Um, so yeah, referee for this game... Midweek game, uh, Tuesday night, uh, Spotland, uh, or the Crown Oil Arena, as it's known for sponsorship details. It's a terrible name, that, isn't it? Um, James Oldham from Derbyshire is the referee for this one. He was the referee for the original game that was postponed at the start of February, which seems ages ago now, doesn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. Think of it. This would have been like Shisilva's debut, wouldn't it, and people like that. And Dennis is crazy. Um, yeah, so... Um, it's his third season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 25 games so far this season, handing out 92 yellow cards and three red cards. Uh, he last took charge of United for the 1-0 defeat to Shaft United in the League Cup back in August, last start of the season. Um, head-to-head record, it's the 107th meeting between the two sides. I think they might be the side we've played the most times. Yeah. We it's uh, it's my most visited league ground after Brunton Park, Rochdale. Unsurprisingly, Tranmere is my most visited after Brunton yeah. Park, but I think Rochdale might be third or fourth, I think, possibly. Yeah. Not 100% on that one. Um, last season, they finished 21st in League One, which led to their relegation for the first time in seven seasons. Um, they're currently 19th on 40 points from 37 games, one place behind, one place and three points behind United. 
rare we've been able to say that for previous ah. season, isn't it? Um, having played the same number of games, this is obviously the game in hand for both teams. Their manager, Robbie Stockdale, uh, appointed last summer. He's got a contract till next summer. Um, if we mentioned this before, I mean, Danny's he's someone who was linked with the Blues job in the past. I think he possibly Ooh. interviewed at least once for the for the role. Um, certainly highly thought of as a coach. Um, he's had role, he previously was a player at Middlesbrough and Tranmere. He's had sort of coaching roles at Sunderland, I think, mostly, hasn't he? In Grimsby, I think, was the other one where he's done a few roles. Um Took over the job in very trying circumstances, though, didn't he, last summer? I think yeah. it's fair to say. They had pretty much no... When we were doing the match, the, the season preview, they had next to no squad, didn't they? I think they had about 11 yeah. players registered, something like that. So to put together a squad, and actually, at no point have they ever really been in danger of going down this season, have they, Rochdale? No. They've always just been a little bit above, haven't they? Yeah, they, there was one point where actually it looked like they might even kick on to finish mid-table and... A little bit higher, but I think losing Jake Beasley in um, January to Blackpool was was a bit of a kicker for them, wasn't it? Really, that yeah. knocked them back a little bit. But they've they've recovered slightly. I mean, to, I think to be honest, for for Stockdale, he probably look and think comfortably avoiding relegation in my first season in charge is going to be a good achievement, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll the things that's going on. Yeah, yeah, off the pitch especially. Um, last time out, they uh, they made it six games without a win as they went down to a 1-0 defeat to Mansfield Town, thanks to Jordan Bowery's 86th-minute goal. Um, form table-wise, they're currently 20th in the last six-game form table. Record of loss-loss, drawn-drawn, loss-loss. So, probably a draw on Tuesday night if they draw of the weekend, <laughs> you'd think. But, um, yeah, not, not going great for them form-wise at the moment. Quick look through their squad, Dan. Anyone stand out to you? I think the one that will stand out for most Carlisle fans is probably Alex Newby. Uh, mm. The sign from Chorley played well against us on the Tuesday night the other week. He, a few people sort of said he looked like a younger version of Jamie Devitt, didn't he? Yeah, I think he was kind of like, he was, he was kind of a tricky, almost like winger-style player there, wasn't he, really? Yeah. I quite like the look of him. I thought that, that, I have to say out that, of contract in the summer as well. Is he? Oh, interesting. Mm. Well, hopefully Simmel will be keeping an eye on him. Um yeah, from I, Barrow as well. He's from Barrow, actually. Yeah, you're right. I think he played one game for them. I think possibly in the past for Barrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was. I have to say, I was quite, quite impressed with them when we played them on that Tuesday night game. Obviously, I was watching an iFollow. I think you, you were at the game, weren't you, Dan? Yeah, yeah. The the performance certainly belied the league position, didn't it? You it know, was a brilliant result for us because we, we we weren't the better team for most of that game. They were no, they played some no. really nice football, and I know their fans were really frustrated afterwards. But we were saying it like, look. You are, you know, as long as you stay up this season, if you build on the squad you've got, I'm sure they'll be up near the playoffs next season if they can do yeah. that because they've got some good players in there. I think uh, little uh, Liam Kelly, who they signed from, was he the one they signed from PSV and Eindhoven? Was yeah. It, he was previously a Reading little uh, Irish lad. He, very good on the ball, wasn't he? Really, really tiny little player he was. Um, I, f- I think even, um, what's his name? Oh, I forgot his name now. I mean, at centre back. Egan O'Connell looked a decent player. I knew he was made to look a bit. It was, he was made to look a bit daft by um, Shasilva for the second goal of that game. I can't remember. It was one of them. Yeah. Anyway. But he, he looked a good player. And, you know, as you mentioned there, Newby looks really tidy. I, I do look at their squad there and think to myself, there's not a huge amount of experience in there, is there? 
No, no. That's the thing that stands out. So that's where, I mean, I know our squad isn't exactly packed with experience either, but... That'll probably be top of the list in the summer for the recruitment, though, won't it? You think so, yeah. I mean, McNulty's obviously got bags of experience, but beyond that, actually, a lot of them are very young players. A.D. White as well, actually, but I don't know how much he's actually been playing for them. Um, but yeah, so it should be an interesting game, this one. And like, like we said, it'll, it'll all be touched in the, the, the chat we have with the opposition fans, but off the field is where all the issues are for Rochdale at the moment, yeah. isn't it, really? So probably, probably best if you... If, if for some bizarre reason you've skipped past that section, go back and listen to it, because I'm sure we'll talk about it in plenty of depth. But there you go. Um, so we have the predictions then, Dan? Yeah. So what are we going for for the two games? Right. Bristol Rovers is going to be a 2-2 draw mm-hmm. with goals from John Mellish and Christian Dennis. Yeah. And then Rochdale is going to be a 3-1 win with goals from Dennis Gibson and Feeney. Going to get another Ooh. goal. Okay. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win against Bristol Rovers with John Mellish and Big Dinel Simeu getting the goals. A couple of centre-backs with goals. I, I, I dread to think what Simeu's celebration is going to well, be when he scores is, it. I, I, I think... sw- swinging off the roof of the away ends. Or, you know. <laughs> he'll, he'll be halfway down Warwick Road probably with his top off, <laughs> yeah. taps off. Um, I, and I, as well as that, I think he'll score a 90th minute winner to make it even better. Um, yeah. Rochdale game 2-0 win. And goals from ooh, Brennan Dickinson and uh, Amari Patrick get back on the score sheet. I don't know one for a while, so there you go. That's what I'm going with. So, <laughs> yeah, well, there's a while, a few couple of games. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a bit of a drought for for Big Amari. So right, here's what Mike had to say. That's what his predictions were. I'm going to go for an all-action two-two draw against Bristol Rovers with Dennis and Patrick getting our goals, and then we'll follow it up with a two-one win against Rochdale with Mellish and Patrick again. Very similar. similar. Yeah, I mean, very. Yeah. I, for a second, there, I thought he was going to predict exactly the same as you. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that. There you go. So there, that's uh, Mike's predictions. Um, before we go to the X Files section, Dan, three. Try and get the answer for Mike's question. Yeah. Okay. So two goal scorers who scored against um, Newcastle, or the scored in the game uh, for New- Carlisle against Newcastle United, friendly in 2007. And the player playing for Carlisle who was ex-Bristol Rovers and ex-Newcastle that day. The player, I think, was Kevin Gall. If I yeah, definitely. Right I'm definitely, pretty sure it's yeah. him. Goal scorer-wise, did Gary Medin score our goal? No. No, I think Danny no, Livesey scored. Danny Livesey, you're right. I remember that now. And Newcastle equalised last minute with Nobby Solano. I knew it was Nobby Solano because it was a free kick, was yeah. it? Was it a free kick? Was it? Yeah. And then very, very late on. Yeah. So right, let's let's see if we got that right. Here's uh, Mike's answers to the question. So it was Danny Livesey who scored for us, and Nobby Solano got a last hey. minute equaliser for the Magpies, and the player that played for us and Bristol Rovers and also started out in Newcastle was of course Kevin Gall. Oh, there you go. We've got it right. Yeah. Together, just about. Um right, XR section done. Your your section here. So busy weekend uh in terms of yeah. goal scores, wasn't it? Right, Saturday. Naki Wells scored for Bristol City in a two all draw with West Brom. Uh mm. Tom Lawrence scored a penalty for Derby in a one all draw with Coventry. 
Ryan Bowman scored in a, a shock win for Shrewsbury, 3 0 at Rotherham. Rotherham, big, big surprise that. Rotherham are really struggling, actually, in recent weeks. Yeah. They've gone off the They've ball given, a bit, haven't they? They've given a chance, haven't they? Mm. Uh, Paddy Madden, regular recently, scored a penalty mm. in Stockport's 4 2 win over Wealdstone. Kedwin Scott scored in Gateheads 2 1 win at Boston. Right, uh, Connor <laughs> scored in Workington's 2 1 win over Trafford. Uh, Christy Elliott, the Rolls Royce himself, scored the opening <laughs> goal for Dundee against Rangers, set up by another ex blue, Jordan Marshall, who was white yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, James Tavernier then missed a penalty in that game. Uh, and then Jack Marriott scored for Peterborough in the 3 1 win at QPR on Sunday. Which he's was a, a bit of a turn up. He's a bit of a, on a bit of a roll, isn't he, Jack Marriott? Yeah, he's, he's, he's scored one or two recently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, midweek, not much midweek, but Kedwin Scott got a hat trick in that four 0 win we mentioned at the start of the show. I mean, he's going to get um, a move to a bigger club in the summer, isn't he? And we're yeah. going to be looking back and thinking, why didn't we just give him a one year yeah. deal for God's sake? Paddy Madden, his own good form, another goal, Stockport three 0 win at Kings Lynn, and the only other bit of news we've noticed was Keenan Westwood signing for QPR. Mm. The self-air goalkeeping crisis. He's been training we through, haven't, hasn't he, all season? Yeah. We we haven't noticed any international call ups, but uh, I will be scouring the various lists over the next few days. There's always someone like an Alex McQueen or someone like that. You don't yeah, expect Kevin me. Wright for Sierra yeah. Leone or something. Something like that usually. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's that's it all done then, Dan. That's uh, this week's episode wrapped up. Um, an enjoyable one. Talking about all things beating Barrow, isn't it? And uh, looking forward to another two big games as we you know we get into the sort of final stretch of the season, don't we? Um, in terms of upcoming episodes, we've got an episode out next week as well, obviously previewing the Tranmere games, the game that I'm going to be at. The week after that, as I mentioned, we're not I'm not going to be at the Exeter game, and neither are you, are we? So we're going to have to work out what we do with that one. Um, one thing we are going to be doing in the next few days, actually, is starting to um, look at towards next season what our plans are, aren't we? And potentially, we're looking at the possibility of setting up a Patreon for the podcast next season. And what that will involve in terms of getting episodes early and little bonus bits and stuff like that, we don't know the full details yet, but we're going to have a look at it. We're going to ask you guys what you'd like to see if we did set up something like a Patreon for next season. I mean, when we're talking about, we're only talking like a few quid a month, aren't we? Something like that, aren't we really? Just, you know, yeah, where yeah. people can chip in. So we'll have a look at that and we'll uh, we'll, we'll sort something out hopefully soon and get uh, get your ideas towards that. So with that, Dan, that's it, isn't it, really? So um, we'll be at the game at the weekend and we'll be back next week to review that match. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. And up the blues. Up the blues.